Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Bathurst is nigh with new liveries for the 50th anniversary. It's uh, how cool that, that so many teams are running um, heritage livery and the cars look amazing. And Tony Cochran talks about his time in V8 supercars. Not one of these blokes who puts my hand up and then uh, uh, whips away because it's a bit tough. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Tony Cochran has told the V8 Insiders that telling the staff at V8 Supercars was the hardest thing. Uh, it was the single hardest thing I think I've ever done in my life. He's also torpedoed the NRL stories. Uh, I'm glad you called it stories. Um, I have uh, no great interest in uh, in running the NRL. You can hear more from Tony Cochran in this week's Roundtable on White Flag Lab. Mark Winterbottom talked about the Ford Performance Racing retro livery for this weekend's 1000, the team going back to 1977 with the cars in the Moffat dealer team livery which created the 1-2 finish history. It'd be nice, yeah, to have a 1-2. Obviously, uh, a, a win is is uh, very hard up there, but a 1-2 running around. I don't know if I'd trust the formation finish that Will wouldn't drive past me like Bondi... Uh, took team orders in that day but um a one two imagine that if you could do it in those colors 50th year anniversary uh yeah that'd be a pretty special moment Stephen richards is also thrilled to see how the cars look in the retro livery it'll be great to have two cars crossing the line at the same time Ho- hopefully in the on the podium but um you know it's 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 fantastic great day for fbr and for ford and looking forward to getting up there Ford Performance Racing is one of many teams this year that are running these old designs with the Bodlo car featuring a Harry Firth and Fred Gibson 1967 race-winning Falcon look. The team will change to number 52 for the weekend. Russell Ingle and Christian Clean have unveiled their new livery. Although not a retro look, it is certainly a stunning new design. Clean spoke about the opportunity of going to the mountain after being involved in some of the biggest races around the world. I've raced in Le Mans, I've raced in Monaco. I was uh, not in the Indy 500, but I raced in Indianapolis. It's all, all the racetracks you, you've known all over the world. And definitely Betters is one of it. Uh, and I'm really proud to be part of it and, uh, and hopefully bring it a bit more into Europe as well that the people uh, even start, more, start to talk more about it. Caltex has signed a new three-year deal to rename the chase the Caltex Chase. The announcement made on Wednesday will see the former name return on this 50th anniversary Bathurst weekend. 
fair income chefs have designed a retro look that although not replicating any famous liveries, has been designed to give it a 60s feel. The Kellys have made their final journey to Bathurst in a Holden. Well, for the time being, the brothers were joined by David Russell and Tim Blanchard when they jumped aboard the FB sedan for the trip from Melbourne. Well, this is a pretty special one after, in my case, 15 years of coming to the mountain to race a Holden. This is actually the last road trip in a Holden, so we thought we'd do it in style. We actually had this car in stock in the shed in Mildura. Um, Mum actually owns this one, so we had to ask Mum if we could borrow it, and the trip was magic. We cruised up at 80k an hour all the way and really enjoyed it. It was good. And Todd Kelly has announced that he will be missing the last four races of the championship season as he'll go in for shoulder surgery. Kelly sustained the injury during a training camp before the Sandown 500. The Kelly Racing Team has not announced who will be driving in those four races in the Jack Daniels Commodore, so perhaps it'll be the Kelly brothers having another reality show this weekend at Bathurst to see which of their co-drivers might get the job. In more Kelly's news, and the Shannon Supercar Showdown has crowned its champion with 19-year-old Jesse Dixon, earning the right to join Cameron Walters in the Shannon's wildcard entry. Dixon and last year's winner's Walters will be the youngest pairing ever to enter the race with a combined age of 37. Triple Eight have unveiled a Peter Brock-inspired tribute livery featuring the 1982 HDT Marlboro Colours, which was driven to victory by Brock and Larry Perkins. The car creating plenty of interest today when it was released at Bathurst. To actually reveal the car today of what it was in the, in the history of uh, obviously Brock, and uh, for me it's very special because of the relationship I have with Peter well, it's important, obviously, it's 50 years of Bathurst you know, this coming weekend, so it's a big weekend for motor racing. Brock was such a big part of uh, Bathurst as a you know, nine times winner. He's got most uh, victories here. The partnership you know, I have with Peter, and again, the team have been gracious enough to be able to paint the car up in this style, uh, which is a very retro colour of what it was back in the late 70s, early 80s, and uh, it looks going to be quite amazing. To see a car like that stationary, Uh, is always exciting, but to see it live running around a track, I think that's going to be the most exciting part. Whilst Russell Engel has explained why the Bathurst 1000 is the most important race in Australia. If you ask who won the championship last year, a lot of people scratch their heads. You know, who won Bathurst? Everyone will name it off straight away. So in the public eye, Bathurst is still our grand final. You know, that's the the holy grail. That's the one that everyone wants and looks up to and watches. Um, and hence why it's been around for 50 years. You know, it's not a bad innings for a sport. So um, uh, I think um, I think this year will definitely uh, look. I'm making a bit of a bold prediction, but I think it's going to make a a bit of a hero out of a few random people this year. So um, and that, but that's what Bathurst does. All of a sudden, it'll just bring his hand down, pluck someone out of the field, and make him a hero. And uh, it could very well be this year. Larry Perkins was asked, did he have a favourite Bathurst victory? When you've got six Bathurst wins to start working out which one's a favourite, that in itself's not bad. But uh, look, it's got to be to to have given away that full lap on lap one. You know, you, you could easily drop the ball a bit. But me and Russell, my co-driver, and the team, we rose to the occasion, and I'm delighted that we uh, obviously pulled it off. 
people sometimes have said, oh, it's not like the old days. And I say, thank goodness it's not like the old days. Every time I go to Bathurst, it's a better Bathurst than the one before. The competition's higher, the interest from the fans is higher, the commercialism of it's higher. It's just better. I caught up with Jim Richards and we found out what Bathurst meant to him. Well, I've, I've, uh, you know, I've been there every year since 1974. So, uh, you know, I've seen the, uh, the barbed wire fences across the top of the hill and the, uh, the no banks and the, the, the dead straight straight, not the uh, Caltex Chase as it used to be called. So things have changed, obviously, but each year you go up there, it's a little bit better, a little bit nicer. The pit area now is fantastic. But, uh, yeah, cars have developed to, to such where, you know, the times are, you know, unbelievably quick now. But, uh, yeah, a lot of development, a lot of safety, more safety uh, than, than it was when I first went there. But, no, no, good. How's the javelin going to go around there? I think it'll go good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it, it, it's, we're not any faster than anyone else in the class. You know, John Bowers is the front runner normally. Uh, he had a bit of an off day. Well, that, that's that's good. Uh, you know, it gives a chance a chance for someone else. Uh, but all the cars, the uh, Gavin Bullis and the Mustangs, and all the guys, even the guys just behind us, potentially can have a good result at Bathurst. Adelaide has announced its race dates and new ticketing schedules. The 500 will be run from February 28 to March 3rd. 2013 will see the organisers once again continue their revitalisation of the spectator facilities with a number of alfresco facilities combined to dedicate food and bar outlets with TV monitors, bleacher seatings and also cafe areas built in to the grandstands. These will be located at Turn 8, Wakefield Road and Deveketteville Terrace and Turn 1, the Shenneth Sacane replacing the traditional grandstand-style seating. And finally, VNX magazine is on sale with its 50th anniversary of Bathurst Preview, the entire event from all the experts up and down pit lane. VNX, on sale now. And that's the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range at www.nobrac.com.au. After the break, a very special roundtable when the historian, well, the man who wrote the book on V8 supercars, Gordon Lomas, will join me to talk to Tony Cochran, the retiring executive chairman of V8 supercars, a man who even has a song about his name. on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. 
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, it's the, well, the man that wrote the definitive history of V8 supercars, Gordon Lomas. Good to join, uh, good to have you here, Gordon. Yeah, thanks for having us, Craig. And also joining us on the line is the retiring executive chairman of V8 Supercars. Thanks very much for joining us, Tony Cochran. Tony, it's been an interesting week for everyone in V8 Supercars who are starting to get their head around the realisation there's going to have to be a life without Tony Cochran. How do you see yourself in this period now where you're looking to make the move? Oh, look, uh, firstly, uh, the sport's a whole lot bigger than anyone in So... Uh, the sport will uh, continue on and prosper and uh, uh, will grow into a fantastic uh, a sport um, as it has done for the last uh, 15, 16 years with uh, me at the helm. So there will be um, a massive future for the sport and, uh, uh, you know, I'll be stepping out of my chairman's role sometime, I would think, this month and uh, then I've agreed to go on the board um, for one or two years um, in an advisory capacity and I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to keeping my finger a bit in the pie but uh, you know it's time for a change Gordon what's Tony's legacy do you think going to be on motorsport in Australia and V8 supercars in particular Oh, look, uh, I, I want to start firstly, Tony, by saying that um, it, I must say it was very inconsiderate of you to uh, um, announce your departure while I was doing a tough in the Italian Riviera with my lovely wife. <laughs> well, I have to be honest, uh, a bit like the way when I came in, uh, very few knew about it, and uh, the same um, going out, I... Um, Gordon, I kept my counsel very much to myself. I was trying to work out what was the best time in terms of the sport, and I thought really uh, with the announcement of uh, AMG joining uh, with the deal with Stone Brothers and uh, Erebus, uh, I thought that was a, a great note to uh, to go out on, and uh, I'm very excited about Car of the Future, and I think Mark Scape and his uh, team have done a wonderful job with Car of the Future, so... Uh, I have to say the uh, the timing I chose uh, uh, was more related to when I thought it was right. I'm never sure how you get these things right, but I thought it was right, and uh, I do apologise that I hadn't contacted you to find out which section of the world you're in, Gordon. <laughs> I did. I did discover it via your email, so so that was okay. But um, <laughs> but look, would would a, would a better time have been? Um, and you say there's there is no good time for these sort of things. But would a better time have been uh, when the new media deal was uh, was all finalised and put to bed? Oh, no, to be fair to um, the organisation, David uh, Malone, who's got a truckload of media experience. Uh, as the former head of Fox Sports, he's been heading that up now for quite some time. Uh, sure, I've been uh, advising 
on the sidelines, and I'll continue to do that. But, um, you know, he's been doing an excellent job with that. He's got a, uh, a very, very robust committee around him. Uh, James Ersk and others involved. So, uh, really, the media um, being finalised uh, didn't really come into the equation for me at all. I just felt that, uh, you know, I just thought it was right. 17 years, a long time. And uh, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was just about, you know, good for a change. And, you know, I didn't want to do it at the end of a season that everybody's trying to grapple with it in the off season. And so I wanted to give uh, some notice that uh, this would be my last year. Uh, so, you know, look, how, how do you ever pick these times right? I really don't know, but um, I've tried to uh, be uh, fairly considerate to everybody and, uh, when you consider a couple of scribes wrote that I wouldn't last three months, uh, I guess uh, my, my tenure's been quite long. Well, Tony... Yeah, you've well and truly broken that. Um, I, I mean, uh, look, Tony, how hard was it to, uh, you know, to make that announcement, you know, considering, you know, how passionate you, you were for this, uh, this sport? You know, there must have been a lot of emotion there for you. Uh, it was the single hardest thing I think I've ever done in my life, Gordon, um, you know me reasonably well, and uh, I am a fairly passionate bloke. I, I love this sport. I love the people in it. Made a lot, a lot of friends up and down the pit lane and throughout the world because of it. And, uh, look, it was a very, very tough. That final week when I came to the decision that that's what I wanted to do was very tough. And telling the staff, i got to tell you, that was a, that was the pinnacle of hardness. Uh, I found it very, very hard to... Uh, to share my news with the staff and uh, uh, there must have been something wrong with the air conditioning that day because there was a, a few uh, few misty eyes around, myself included. Mm. Now, Tony, can I take you back to 1993? You've been sent in to fix the floundering fortunes of the Australian Motorcycle Grand Prix. You then get kicked over to the Indy Gold Coast race. How, after you have to try and revive these two motor racing events... Do you decide that touring cars is an opportunity that you can really get your teeth into? Well, I, I just quietly went about it in those days, uh, having a, a. I guess I took about six months or eight months to look around the edges and try and work out what was going on because I couldn't. I couldn't fathom really. I was. I came for a pretty simple proposition. I couldn't work out how Australia could host around to the. Formula One World Championship, a round of the World Rally Championship, a round of uh, the IndyCar Championship, a round of the uh, SBK Bikes, and a round of the 500cc World Championship. And yet Australian touring car racing, you know, was actually really struggling. Um, you know, every so often you read some of this crap about what great, no, it was really in good nick and it was all okay, but folks like Gordon and that were around in those days and <laughs> it wasn't exactly firing along and course when I got more involved I discovered the teams were actually in quite a bit of trouble and uh, no one held the rights and uh, look it was it was a weird time but um, anyway having decided to have a crack at it not one of these blokes who puts my hands up and then uh, uh, whips away because it's a bit tough uh, having decided to have a crack uh, we got stuck in 96 and uh, look away we went and it's Quite frankly, it's for others to judge uh, what they think I did or didn't do. And I realise I'm one of these people that polarises opinions, so people will have good and bad opinions about it. But uh, from my point of view, uh, I love the sport. I love where it is today. 
Uh, I love the fact that uh, I think there's something like 1,600 full-time jobs now in the pit lane. Just fantastic. And, uh, you know, I only wish it nothing but the very, very best for a very long and rewarding future. Now, can what's your memories of that May 1996 meeting with the team owners at HSV? I can remember it like it's yesterday, which is a bit of a problem, isn't it? Um, look, it was a fantastic period of time. Um, uh, you know, um, really, uh, the two people who were to blame probably were um, Neil Crompton and uh, Bob Forbes, who talked me into having a serious look at it. Um, and then uh, once I'd done my homework, I got all the team owners together uh, John Crennan organised his boardroom and uh, away I went and I took them through a whiteboard exercise of what I believe was wrong but probably more importantly I took them through an exercise of what I believe could be um, corrected and uh, improved for the future. You said famous... Tony, at the, at the, I'll just jump in there, Craig, if yep. I can. Tony, at the time when, when all that was being proposed and laid out on the table, um, there was a few people, uh, a few high profile team owners uh, who said, look, you know, um, if half of what Cochrane's going on about comes off, well, we're going to be in a hell of a lot better place than we are now. Uh, and that's pretty much proven to be uh, the case, hasn't it? Yeah, well, as I said, Gordon, it's hard to sort of talk about yourself, country to, you know, what some people like to have a go and be about, but uh, that's really for others to judge. I, I, I can certainly put my on the pillow and know that everything I promised those team owners back in May of 1996, I delivered. Uh, I don't think there's one thing that I didn't promise that day that hasn't been delivered and delivered on in spades. You know, I, I remember making a comment that day, look, I think the time's come when we've got to control Bathurst for ourselves and we've got to somehow get Bathurst real, rebuilt. And to be honest, everybody in the room laughed. And I, I laughed with them. <laughs> it sounded like such an extraordinary statement. I... I, why wouldn't you treat it with a degree of humour? And uh, they certainly did. And, uh, man, the Bathurst we're going to this coming weekend is uh, sure a whole lot different than the Bathurst. I think I held a little media conference out in 1996. You said there's no sacred sites. Do you still stand by that position? Oh, I said at the time to get a result, and it's exactly what I got. So you you do concede there are sacred sites in Australian motorsport? Of course motorsport. there are. Bathurst was one of them, you know. There's a number of them throughout the world. Uh, I, don't, I don't think, uh, you know, uh, Formula One are about to walk away from Monaco, for example. I don't think uh, IndyCar's about to leave uh, um, Indianapolis. Um, so, <laughs> I, you know, I, I said that to be provocative at the time. I was trying to get a result for the team, and uh, history will record that I got the result I was after so was it a provocative statement yes um, was I trying to get a particular result out of making that statement you bet uh, did I uh, yes again so I don't shy away from it mm. I do yeah. understand it upset people but I don't shy away from it mm. we need to take a short break here on the Vet Insiders we'll be back with Tony Cochran and Gordon Lomas right after this Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. 
V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best riders and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Tony Cochran and Gordon Lomas joining me, Craig Ravel. And uh, Tony... Is this the best $52,000 you've ever invested or has it been too much hard work to consider it as an ROI? <laughs> oh, look, um, you know, there's a couple of things to that. Firstly, everything that's worthwhile in life is hard work. Um, if there's an easy way of doing it, I'm sure somebody would have discovered it by now. Um, I certainly haven't. I've, um, I've believed in... Uh, you know, to get a result, you've got to put the effort in. And, uh, uh, you know, certainly my partners uh, in the SEL business uh, are pretty happy that uh, I talked them into that little purchase. And uh, then we worked pretty damn hard, the three of us, to um, make it what it uh, turned out for us. And, uh, no, look, it, it was a, a very, very good investment in the future of Australian sport and a, a very good investment in the future of Australian motorsport. And, um, you know... Um, here's a simple fact. At that time, uh, touring car racing wasn't in the top 10 sports as measured by, then by uh, the Sweeney report in the country. Uh, uh, today, um, I did, not too many people don't argue it's in the top uh, 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 four, and you know maybe the couple that don't argue that would agree it's perhaps fifth, but uh, I would certainly easily uh, argue based on revenues and uh, TV audiences and uh, income to the sport that it's uh, certainly in the top four. So, um, it, you know, it was, a, it was a hell of a challenge back in those days uh, to uh, move it forward, but move it forward we did. And not a bad return on investment in the end. And <laughs> not a bad return on investment as well. Got it? The tax man certainly appreciated it that way. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we've branched out overseas. Um, you know, the, the growth, the growth uh, from that end and commercially which has been chiefly led by Tony, uh, has been quite extraordinary, really. Um, but, look, it's, you know, it, for all the good things, it's, it, there has been uh, rocky times and, uh, and difficult times. Um, you know, there was uh, the, the time uh, where um, there was a bit of a power struggle going on, uh, Tony, um, uh, within the sport in 2007, and um, a couple of people uh, wrongly reported that you'd been sacked, um, uh, you know, th- those sort of times, do they leave a, a sort of a, a bitter taste in your mouth or, um, you know, is that, um, is that sort of banished to the annals of history now? Uh, no, well, actually, one of the great things, I think, Dick Johnson, as I've said, which uh, uh, I'll quote here and uh, using his words, is uh, the only thing you get from looking back to sore neck. <laughs> and um, to be honest... Uh, you know, I, I don't hold any malice to those times. Look, that's part. If you want to get involved, and that's why it's all those fascinating, you know, some of the printouts, the readouts I get from, you know, so-called uh, uh, fan websites and stuff uh, where people hide behind names. They're that, they're that brave and they're that good at what they do themselves. Uh, and they talk about all of that sort of stuff. But, you know, if you're going to run a major sport, in this case, V8 Supercars, but quite frankly, you could make this comment about any major sport anywhere in the world. It's brutal. It's it's a tough existence, you know. Um, sport, because of the passionate nature involved in it, um, it brings out, you know, the good and the bad and the ugly. And, uh, 
if you can't put up with the rough and tumble of that, then uh, you're never going to survive as uh, an executive chairman of the sport for six months, let alone you know nearly 17 years. So you've got to um, you've got to take the good with the bad. And uh, um, look, well, that was a uh, you know a, a period of distraction, uh, but um, at the end of the day, common sense prevailed, and and we moved on. And and um, quite frankly, I. I think if you did a poll of the team owners and uh, leading up to and including the sale of last year, they'd uh, they'd all say, "Thank God we moved on." Mm. Yeah. What? What? Um, you know, during the during the, uh, the the history of the eight supercars, what would you class as as the biggest? You know, the biggest moment, the biggest. Um, the, the, the watershed moment, you know, obviously there was big, big things like your first government deal with the Northern Territory and you followed that up by, you know, several government deals. You know, was, was it the first Clipsal 500? Was it going to China, you know, overseas, you know, truly for the first time? Uh, or was it getting Sydney over the line after you tried and tried and tried for years and years and everyone said, it'll never happen? Wh- which one was it? Do you, can you pinpoint it to any one event? Um, not really, and I really probably haven't had a chance. So, you know, maybe in six months when I've got a bit of a chance to uh, change course and uh, get some reflection time, I might have a definitive opinion. But, Gordon, there were lots of great watershed moments, and I, I guess if I had to nominate a moment right at the moment, I, I'd pick uh, the Adelaide race, um, that was, you know, completely my idea. I went to Adelaide. I talked the then Premier John Olsen into the concept. Uh, he introduced me to Roger Cook and uh, Andrew Daniels, and we worked away and over a two-month period to try and make that stack up. And, um, you know, it's easy to look back now because we have to celebrate the 15th Clipsal next year in March. But, um, uh, wow, there was so many doubting Thomases around who did not believe that uh, V8 supercars... Uh, would make a go of that event um, and uh, you know that event has probably become one of the great shining examples in our uh, many and varied uh, relationships and deals uh, both in Australia and around the world and uh, um, certainly from my point of view that was, that was an absolute uh, watershed moment when we proved that we could draw a seriously good crowd and good corporate support and, uh, and put on a street race in the heart of a major city uh, that was... Um, that was pretty bold and uh, pretty headstrong stuff if you look back at it now. But, uh, look, there's been a number of things that I've really enjoyed over the years and I've, I've regarded as pretty important moments in the sport. Uh, but, you know, my greatest satisfaction, funnily enough, is just all the people I've met along the way. It's just been a wonderful journey. I've, I've made so many friends and, uh, and they'll be lifelong friends. Uh, and, uh, you know, probably personally to me, that's the part that... Uh, you know, I'm reflecting on that's part that I'm enjoying the most. Mm. Can I get you to do a bit of a word association with us? If I give you a few names, one obviously is Barry Sheen. Barry? Mm. Uh, well, you know, I've done a personal letter to 550 colleagues and friends around the world, and uh, in that letter I, I still say I still miss Barry every single day, and I still talk to the old bugger every day or two. Uh, he was uh, so inspirational to me and so helpful, and he, he would give so freely of his time. Uh, Barry was just an outstanding bloke, uh, a really outstanding bloke, and uh, uh, and his sense of humour, you know, some of the laughs we shared together. And I, I so much, you know, he was so much an important part in those early days of 
traveling around, you know, he would travel with me a lot and uh, we, we really enjoyed a great friendship. And uh, so, yeah, I, I could talk about Barry for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> what about Peter Brock? Yeah, Peter I didn't know, obviously, in certainly the same category as Barry. Um, Peter and I uh, shared lots of conversations together. And I guess, to be fair, Peter's career, in certainly touring cars, was coming towards the end of its career uh, around the time I started out. Um, so um, I only, I think I only had Peter with me in the championship for three seasons. Um, but, you know, what do you say? I mean, Peter Brock is one of the reasons why uh, V8 Supercars is what it is today. I mean, he was just an absolute, you know, famous son of the sport, always will be. Uh, has the most significant trophy in our sport named after him, as he should. And, um, you know, he was a huge tragic loss uh, to... Uh, the sport and obviously to his family and friends so you know look peter is a very very special part uh, of our sport and and always will be what about wayne caddick oh wayne was a, just a fantastic uh, two i see in fact we were kind of made for each other in lots of ways because whilst i was charging around um trying to get things happening and and trying to uh, uh push the envelope and uh get support on board for various things. Wayne was uh, tremendous at uh, coming along behind me and, and sort of cleaning up the mess and, uh, you know, helping put the detail around uh, the big ideas. So uh, Wayne and I enjoyed a very, very good, strong working relationship for a number of years and, uh, you know, um, uh, we still uh, catch up occasionally and have a chat, but, uh, um, you know, Wayne played a massive part in uh, the... Uh, business that became VA Supercars, no question about that at all. Gordon, I'm sure you've got a couple of names you want to throw at Tony. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, where do you, where do you start? Uh, um, Tony, obviously the, the guys at, um, at SEL were, were fundamental in, uh, in a lot of this, uh, particularly James Erskine and Basil Scafidi and David Coe. Yeah, they were, and they were great partners, and uh, still, all three of them are still fantastic friends today, and uh, uh, we still catch up uh, very, very regularly, and, you know, I guess in the future we probably might do a, an odd project or two together, but, uh, look, they were tremendous partners, uh, they backed me to the uh, hilt with the idea, uh, and then they worked feverishly with me to uh, make it work, you know, James, particularly in the television and the media area, and Basil in the merchandising and the marketing and the uh, sponsorship area. So it was a great team, and uh, I may mention of that in my colleague's letter that, uh, uh, you know, you really couldn't ask for a, a better group of blokes to team up with and try and uh, get something achieved. And the business we built up in SEL over the years is an outstanding business, and uh, they're still kicking goals, and they still uh, have got a great business going forward. So I'm really proud for them, and I'm really happy for them as well. Tony, do you think a driver's association is needed? Sorry, I missed that. Do you think a driver's association is needed? Not really. I mean, you know, look, um, I can certainly tell you that there's never been a suggestion put forward by the driver's group uh, if it came to safety that we didn't take totally seriously and do a lot of hard work. And I mean, one of the driving forces behind Car of the Future, I know it gets lost in all the glossiness of Car of the Future, but one of the driving forces behind that project has been the new safety standards we've introduced to the car, which are world's best practice. I mean, all of that testing has been done in Germany, um, and uh, you know the drivers uh, 
uh, having the drivers in mind really led uh, to that. But, uh, look, uh, you know, I guess the difficulty in motorsport is the Drivers Association has, you know, one problem, and that is that the cars are owned by uh, team owners. And, and really, you know, uh, the drivers have to accept that, uh, you know, the team owners are the ones taking the massive financial risk. So you've got, you've got to give a bit of ground. So I'm not so sure a Drivers Association would achieve anything other than perhaps some bickering and, uh, you know, sport doesn't prosper by bickering. Got it. Yeah, look, I, I yeah, I, I mean, it's been mooted, um, you know, in, you know, in oh, more recent seasons, yeah. but, but, you know, it rears its head every now and then, but, uh, look, I, I, I tend to agree with Tony, um, I, I, you know, I really don't see the need for it, um, uh, it, you know, the Grand Prix Drivers Association has got a place um, and is needed. But uh, really, in our neck of the woods, uh, I, I honestly don't believe uh, that it serves any purpose um, whatsoever. Um, but, you know, certainly if there, if there becomes an issue, and, and we're talking about issues of predominantly safety here, well, then maybe, maybe it, um, it might, might, the idea might have to be revisited. Mm. Well, we need to take a short break here. The white flag lap up next here on the Vat Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. White flag lap time, and we still have Tony Cochran, the retiring executive chairman of the V8 Supercars, and Gordon Lomas. And, Tony, I've wanted to do a question and answer with you for a long time, and I know Gordon knows this, because over the years we've heard such fantastic stories about you, and I don't think anyone sat down and asked you, what's the best story, true or untrue, that you've ever had come back to you that people have reported, or not so much reported publicly, but it's become folklore that people go yeah i believe that could happen with tony cochran oh look i don't know i i'm sort of a person who reckons that others should spread stories and i should just listen and have a laugh i mean you know gordon will tell you that some of the stuff that uh you know is uh uh pushed out there around about me is clearly people that have never actually sat and spoken to me um uh, sure can i be tough and uh, all of that yes i can but uh I'm also pretty fair, and uh, you don't get very far in life if you're just tough. So, um, you know, I've always tried to balance that out. And uh, the only thing that really, I guess, pisses me off is when uh, somebody writes or prints somebody or says something that's fundamentally untruthful about what I've done or said. Um, and, the, you know, a good example of that was uh, the rubbish about uh, I instructed the team owners that they couldn't uh, let their drivers race in New Zealand, which was absolutely not what was said at all so I, I i got right royally pissed off about that comment but look you know that's just once again that's part of the cut and thrust of if you're going to try and run a sport and i'd say any sport you know you're going to get that people are going to build their own uh ideas and thoughts you know folklore is going to kick in 
And, uh, you know, I always laugh with great interest how people um, write or suggest that, you know, I have no interest in motorsport. Um, <laughs> you don't do what I've just done for 17 years and give up. I can't think how many uh, weekends away from my family if you have no interest in what you're doing. It would just be physically... Well, I, certainly for me, it would be physically impossible. I mean, I, I truly have loved the sport. Um, and, uh, I, it, you know, as I said, I've made so many great friends out of it and they'll stay great friends for, uh, I hope, to the uh, end of my uh, time on this joint. And, uh, um, you know, so... I guess it's the old uh, the old saying of the you know you really need to know the person before you can comment. Mm. Gordo, what's your best Tony story that he may or may not have heard? Yeah, that's well, putting you on the spot, Gordo. Well, you have, Craig. You have, <laughs> and uh, I've just celebrated, unfortunately, a milestone birthday, and I think Alzheimer's disease is uh, catching up with me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, well, I'll tell you what, I've got a list here, Tony. Now, we've heard stories, and I think you even commented on these about the NRL. Can you run the NRL and still be a shareholder of V8 Supercars? <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad you called it stories. Um, I have uh, no great interest in, uh, in running the NRL or any other sport for that matter. Uh, what I said was in answer to that question that I would consider a role uh, working with another sport if I thought it would uh, fit it in with my schedule and, uh, uh, you know, what I regarded as a, a, as a forward position. But um, uh, it, whilst it makes great copy to sell newspapers, uh, I can absolutely assure the pair of you and your listeners that uh, uh, Tony Cochran has no intention of running the NRL. All right. Holden. One of the stories from years and years ago, Holden wasn't thrilled about Tony Cochran being involved in the formation of V8 Supercars due to their interactions with you at the Australian Open Golf. Uh, it was just a complete load of garbage. Um, the relationship between then IMG and uh, Holden uh, was a fantastic one. Um, and to be honest, the main relationship there was between James Erskine and uh, Holden. It wasn't between me and Holden. Uh, but we had a great working relationship with uh, uh, Holden in those days of the Australian Open. They were the um, naming rights sponsor, and uh, we had no issue whatsoever. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, once again, good folklore, but unfortunately no truth to it. All right. That you offered the organisers of the Canberra race the first or last round of the season to ensure the race continued? Uh, no. we, we, we uh, That was one of my great mistakes, actually, if you want to talk about mistakes one of my biggest ever mistakes i was uh uh so keen to get the canberra race up because um they were so keen to do it in canberra i I never even stopped to consider for a second when they said we want it in the long weekend in june i never stopped for a second to think well hang on why do you want in the long weekend in june and of course the reason was that they the hotel rooms were completely empty and even the locals used to head out of canberra for that weekend because it was so bitterly freezing cold um, so that was a massive error on my part, and uh, you know, in hindsight, which is twenty twenty vision, I would have never agreed to do the Canberra race at that time of the year um, if I had really stopped and thought about it long and hard. Um, what I did offer the Canberra when they wanted to uh, break the contract uh, was, uh, why don't we look at moving it to uh, September, um, which is a much nicer time of the year in Canberra, and. Uh, uh, they weren't prepared to uh, consider that because they had, I think it was Florida. I'm not sure what they had on, but they yep. had 
quite there was some quite big uh, annual um, activity on in, in September that knocked that on the head. So we never we never unfortunately got that one up. Mm. I know Gordon thinks there's only two things that come out of Canberra, isn't there, Gordo? <laughs> we won't go there, guys. But I, I, I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to have to leave it here because I'm. Um, waiting to walk into a meeting now. Uh, All right, well, well, just one, one final one, Tony. Now, sure. now, the, now the dust has settled, um, you know, with your, uh, your announcement, um, and you've, you've, you know, kind of earlier alluded to the fact that you're, you, you know, unlikely to go to another sport, but you haven't ruled it out. But, uh, I mean, is there anything to take you back to the entertainment industry, and I'm, I'm talking specifically music here. Is there anything on the horizon there, possibly? Oh, I, I don't doubt. I don't doubt. I'll, I'll um, uh, get reinvolved in some entertainment projects, and uh, you know, I've obviously, uh, you know, since um, I've made my announcement, I've had quite a few calls about um, wanting to catch up with me and talk about what I might like to do next year. Um, so, all in the good, clear time of day, um, I'll sit down and have a look at some of those options and ideas. Uh, but right at the moment, you know, I've got certainly a busy month in October. Um, I'll sort of hand over the reins in November and then uh, I plan on having a really good uh, long Christmas break and uh, a good holiday with the family, which is uh, long overdue. Tony, finally, in mainstream media, do you expect it to be referred to as the man who revolutionised the Australian motorsport industry or do you think they'll still refer to you as the man who brought Sinatra to Oz? <laughs> oh, look, as I said... Uh, uh, people's legacies are for other people to judge. I don't really like to comment on that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy that I played a role uh, with uh, V8 Supercars and uh, Australian Motorsport generally. Um, and um, as I said, uh, it's, it's provided an awful lot of people with a fantastic uh, uh, opportunity going forward in, in terms of jobs and all the rest of it. And uh, uh, my payback has been more than... Uh, paid in the friends and associates I've made, both here in Australia, around the world in, in motorsport, and I've loved every minute of it, and I wouldn't have missed it for quid. Tony Cochran, thanks very much for your time today here on the Vad Insiders. Pleasure, guys. Thanks very Appreciate much. Appreciate it, Tony. Thanks, thanks for your time. No worries. See you about this, boys. Yeah, we okay. look forward to it too. Thanks very much, Gordon Lomas. Okay, cheers. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, it is Bathurst this weekend. I hope you'll join us then. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.